Welcome back to Kansas City Real Talk, brought to you by KCRAR. I'm Bobby Howe. And I'm Alex Scaring. What's up, Alex? Well, not a whole lot, Bobby. How are you? I'm doing okay. Good. It's hot. It's sticky. Oh, God. It's, it's officially summer in Kansas City. Why is it already August weather in June? <laughs> so, so you're a runner, so so you can you can empathize with this. I am a new runner. And I am, am working on this quite a bit. And I kept on telling myself, man, this is going to be so much better when it's not cold outside. It, running when it's hot is way worse. I, I hate the cold, but running when it's hot, like I was doing really well when it was pretty chilly outside, like when it was like a good like high 50s, low 60s in the evenings which by the way lasted about a week and a half um but now like it's so hot it's still how hot night. is it oh sorry <laughs> it's so hot at night and in the mornings too mm-hmm. that i i don't know i can't i was doing an easy three miles yep now Small three miles is like mm-hmm. it sucks yeah it's so- painful so A, welcome to the world of running. Oh. Most of us enjoy running-ish uh, three quarters out of the year. Summer is horrible. Um, and, and the part of it is, is that because of the humidity and because of the heat, you purposely have to slow up your pace, but it messes with all of our brains because typically coming out of spring, our paces have started picking up. We're doing yeah. the best running we've ran in a long time. And now all of a sudden our paces are a minute to a minute and a half per mile slower just to overcompensate for the humidity and the heat. And it messes with your brain of like, all of a sudden I'm a sh- crappy runner. That was not the word that was going to come out initially, but it, your brain starts sh- doing crappy. that. A sh- crappy runner, a sh- crappy runner. Um, your brain starts doing that and mess with you. Like, and Mara Neal and I actually just had this conversation this morning she goes, you know, we're to the days in Georgia. And I said, well, it's the same thing in Missouri and Kansas, where you have to decide to either go running early in the morning, where the temperature's maybe 70 degrees, but the humidity's 95%. Yesterday morning, it was 100%. Or you have to run in the afternoons when the temperature's now 95 and the humidity's 70%. Like there's no good time to go and you just have to suffer through it. And I prefer running in. 40 to 50 degree weather. It is so much better because what happens is within 10 to minutes of running or so, your body core is te- uh, 20 degrees warmer than whatever temperature it is outside. So if like this morning, I just went for a two mile run this morning. Um, when I started, it was the, with the heat index, it was 87 degrees. Within 20 minutes, my body felt like it was 107. You mm. just can't keep up with running at those temperatures, but it messes with your head the entire time. Well, the other thing is I've got to figure out an effective way to carry water with me. Yeah. So I have a Nathan's handheld water bottle. It's got like a little sleevey thing over it and it just slips on my hand. So I don't have to actually hold the water bottle itself. Um, But it's like a water bottle with a pop top, but it's got a little cover over it and you just slip your hand through. And then if you just want to carry it with one finger or whatever, but anyways, it's that's how I carry water with me. Because that's I can't I, backpacks. my thing about running when it was cold. This, this is not a running a podcast about running, by the way. But I, my thing about running when it's cold is that when I'm breathing heavily, mm-hmm. 
then I'm breathing in this cold air. And then I always felt like I was putting myself at, at greater risk of, as a singer, I've got to be mm-hmm. able to wake up in the morning and be able to sing without a problem kind of randomly. Right. Um, well, it's just as hard to breathe in all of this humidity mm-hmm. and it's not any better for me, I don't feel like. And it's, nope. I don't know, it's it's crazy. It's an adjustment. I'm trying really hard not to let it like, kick me out of this new habit that I have. Right. Because it could. Like yeah. it's it sucks enough right now that it could kick me out of my habit. And I don't wanna I don't want to go back to using a treadmill because that's not good for my knees and my knees right. are susceptible to damage. So for me in the summer, I have to go out, I have to start by 6 a.m. or it just isn't gonna happen because there's I'd rather deal with a little bit more humidity. And here's the thing is if you go out right when the sun's starting to to rise, you'll actually, it'll start out humid. And then as the sun rises, it burns off some of the humidity and you Mm. actually feel it cool down like the second half of your run. So if you can plan to start out right before the sunrise, you kind of get the worst part over at the beginning. And then you feel yourself cool off that little, you feel that, that temperature change. Like if I wait till the sun's up, I don't feel the temperature change. It just feels hot to begin with. But if you go a little early, let the sun come up, burn off the humidity, you'll feel that. And it's actually not as horrible. I, I cannot do afternoon runs like this time of year, like three in the afternoon, I will just pass out on the side of the road and die. Terrible. How could it, why? And I like, I like going on walks outside. And so I've been walking, you know, I, I walk all the time while I'm talking. Cause I can't talk on the phone and not be walking. And, uh, I look maniacal, but now I like get out of, I, I lose my breath outside while I'm talking on the phone and making my calls. Anyway, this isn't, this does isn't well, really relevant to the to to what we do, Bobby. Is it though? Because it's a form of mental stress relief, at least for me. Maybe it's that's true. why you've gotten into it. And we all need a little bit more mental health release in this um in this um world that we're living in right now. And plus, here's what's funny is you've brought up running without me having any idea you were gonna bring it up. One of the things that I was gonna talk to you about that actually has nothing to do with anything in our podcast guests probably don't care, but you do care. You've noticed in the past that I always wear two watches. I don't have a second watch on today. Your brain is like, you should see your face right now. Like where's Bobby's second watch, but I do have something on my other arm and it's called a whoop device, W H O O P. And it tracks like all of my stuff all day long. And it tells me like, it gives me a rating on my quality of sleep that I had the night before. And then it suggests how hard I should work out the next day based on the recovery that I've had. And I've been using this for about two weeks now, and I feel more rested. I feel more energized throughout the day, but it tracks so many different things. And it gives you like right now, my respiratory rates up a little bit, like elevated. So it's like, you need to take today a little bit easier, Bobby. And I was like, oh, darn, my device tells me to take today a little easier. As you improve, does it? like does it go whoop whoop is that why it's called a whoop device does not say whoop whoop but it should and then what the hell i'm gonna the send point, that into Bobby? the developer what, why, it makes why no... do you have this if it doesn't do that i don't really, understand it buzzes on my wrist occasionally i like it there you go also, that's cool if you're a data nerd you're into analytics you love like it shows me all night long every time i wake up it shows my resting heart rate it shows a whole bunch of like, uh, it's tracking my um, O2 levels all the I time. I want to so. be clear though, at no point does it ever go it whoop. Not. It, it never, never gives you a whoop. It never whoops. 
Well, it's not very encouraging then. All right. So what are we talking about today, Bobby? So today we are bringing on, uh, we are bringing on the brand new CEO or AE for Missouri Realtors. Drum roll, please. Wow, that was a really long drum roll. Brianna Vanstrom. Um, she is absolutely amazing. She comes to us from Boise, Idaho, but she's got an entire story before that. She's not brand new to real estate in any way, shape, or form. And uh, I'm super excited to have her on. She is uh, just a full little ball of energy. And I, I absolutely adore her. So I'm so excited to be having her on as our guest today. Um, so we can talk about what she wants to do with Missouri Realtors and just uh, how she's enjoying our heat and humidity so far. <laughs> like, well, I have heard nothing but awesome things about her and um, I'm excited to meet her. And guess what we have before she comes on though? Oh, do you have a book bit? A book bit. I can't overdo that. So we're just going to let that be the book bit intro this time because uh, I'm not touching that with a 10 foot pole. Not well, you don't have to go rare if I start purring. Exactly. My kitty cat on the floor just looked at me like, what is going on up there, mom? What are you doing? I don't know, Wick. It's fine. All right. So my book, this, and it was really funny is I'm getting ready to use this book. Well, actually, Andrea Sheridan and I are going to use this book together later this month. Uh, we're teaching the St. Louis Realtors Leadership Academy. And this is one of the things we're going to talk to them about is a book called Move Your Bus by Ron Clark. And Move Your Bus is, um, it talks about the different members of an organization or a group and how leaders can inspire those different groups as well as individuals, how they can move up and become more um, valuable in the organizations that they serve. The favorite quote from the book is, treating everyone fairly isn't treating everyone equally. And I really like that quote because certain people need different, we, not everyone is exactly the same. So therefore treating everybody fairly doesn't necessarily mean you treat them equally or exactly the same as everyone else. So lesson number one, high expectations are good as long as it's possible for people to deliver them. Moving your bus is a metaphor to teach organizations how they can make progress and what working together looks like. The concept came kind of from the, the cartoon, uh, the Flintstones, because in Flintstones, in order to keep a car moving, everybody had to use their feet together as a group to keep the car moving forward. So if all passengers run, then the car or the bus moves forward. Everyone has a role to play. Some of those roles are bigger. Some of those roles are smaller, but it's only when all the team members work together and give their best that we can truly move forward. Um, having high expectations is really important because if you set the bar too low, people won't even bother trying. We talked about that a million different times with a million different books. But when you set it high, you have to clearly communicate what you expect from people and then hold them accountable to what you expect. The second lesson is always remember that everyone performs at a different level and you should work with people on an individual basis. What is a high expectation is different for every single person. And this book talks about there's five different groups within an organization. The first person is the driver. That's the person who steers the bus and pushes everyone forward. That's usually the manager. 
The second one is the runners. And the runners are those top performers who work hard and always have great creative input on how to keep moving the organization forward. The third group are the joggers. Those are who are diligent and consistent workers and only switch into high gear occasionally. The fourth group are the walkers who are still steady, but rather slow and they don't like change very much. And sometimes they will slow the bus down a little bit. And then the final group uh, as a part of an organization are the riders. They will only run when someone's watching them. Otherwise, they'll use their intelligence to hide behind the crowd. They don't want to be called out. And so naturally, you have to deal with all these different types of groups. It's also really funny that we talked about running the first half of this podcast and then the, the groups in the book are all running type groups. It's kind of hilarious that we didn't even plan all that out. But look at us. We're smart like that. All right. The last part, lesson three, is learn patience and don't feel entitled to anything or else you'll thrive in mediocrity. No matter which group you're a part of, it's important to let go of your sense of entitlement forever. Because most of us are used to being in a consumerist environment. We often feel like we should get the promotion, even though sometimes we really know down deep that someone else may have worked harder to get it. So letting go of your entitlement mentality is not only the right choice. It lets everybody know that you understand nobody owes you their attention their money, let alone their recognition. And you sure don't deserve an award just for showing up on time. And that's my book bit, Move Your Bus by Ron Clark. Solid book bit. So, and it's actually a really tiny little, I, I just realized I have it in the other room right now, but it's a really, it's a quick, tiny little read. It's really I good. I like those. Yeah, I like the, the, it's like the little square one. that's you know, just enough pages that you feel like I read a book. But if I, didn't I can spend- read it on a flight, it's my favorite kind of book. This is 100% your kind of book. Awesome. Well, hey, should we bring on our guest? We should go get Brianna and bring her in. Welcome back to Real Talk, brought to you by KCRAR. Bobby and I are here with Brianna Vanstrom, the CEO of Missouri Realtors. Brianna, welcome. Thank you so much. We're really excited to have you and get to know you a little bit better. And so you're... How many months have you been on the job? Just not even a month yet. Uh, in, in say three days, it'll be a month officially. Awesome. Well, <laughs> we're really excited to have you. I've heard nothing but awesome things. So. so tell us a little bit about your history. Tell us where you grew up and tell us your, because you're not new to real estate in any way, shape or form. So give us your the rundown on where you've been and all the things you've been a part of. Sure. Well, thank you guys. And thanks again for the opportunity to connect with y'all. I am really excited to be a part of the association here, but as Bobby mentioned, I've been in the real estate industry for almost 20 years, which is shocking to say when I say it out loud, but um, just kind of uh, taking a quick step back. I am from Minnesota originally. So that's where I grew up, Um, went to college there. Um, My background had originally been in advertising. Um, So that was sort of communications and advertising was sort of my area of expertise. Um, I may have followed a college boyfriend down to Georgia (laughs) and then down to Florida um, for some work and um, worked in advertising all that way through. But when I moved down to um, West Palm Beach, Florida, um, where I was living there, um, didn't have a lot of agencies in the area, but I happened to fall in with a very small broker uh, 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 advertising agency that focused on 
builders at the time. And this was in about 2004. So if you at all remember what was happening in real estate in 2004, especially in South Florida, lots of activity um, amongst the builders. Um, but funny enough, I was placing ads in this like print newsletter for a realtor association. I didn't quite know what it was. And I happened to see that they had a job opening for a communications director. So I just fell into realtor associations um, kind of through that work. So I came in as a communications director for, um, at the time, what was called the Realtors Association of the Palm Beaches. It's now since grown to Palm Beach County, Fort Lauderdale, and all of those. Um, but loved working there. Moved back to Minnesota then, like I said, where I'm from, and was able to stay with an organization there, um, continuing that communications space. Um, then I decided to get my real estate license. I knew I wanted to move up and be an, an association executive eventually. Um, it just really felt like I needed to have done the job to be able to um, really understand what I was doing because this wasn't about... Um, 2007 and eight when I got my real estate license. So then if you remember what was happening at that time, really interesting time to actually start selling real estate, but super helpful to kind of have that understanding of what, what, um, you know, a very distressed market feels like versus a very, uh, not distressed market, if you will. Um, so yeah, I was a realtor for a little while where I was, while I was getting my master's degree and um, then was recruited to come back to the Minneapolis Association of Realtors to work in their market statistics division. And funny enough, I think I worked on some uh, some projects in the Missouri area over, during that time, which was kind of fun. Um, and then uh, kind of did that for a few years and then got the opportunity to come to Boise, Idaho, where I've served as the CEO there for the last seven years um, before joining here a month ago. So real long, real long way around, but it's been a really cool um, experience to be a part of different parts of the industry, different um, geographic areas of, of the country to see how things are different, but oftentimes the same. So I'm really excited to be here and bring all of that, that, um, all that to this position. And in a really small world moment, <laughs> I believe we decided it was 2014. I don't have the photo right in front of me right Thank now. I think it was 2014. Brianna actually was here and actually a part of our recharge. Mm -hmm. um, and we all went to a meal together, me and Andrea, and I think Nobu and Jeff Turner, there was like eight of us all went out to dinner when she came into town for recharge back in 2014. So yep. come full circle now. There we go. And so, yeah, it's, it's really fun to be back in the state. And I think we're going to try to go back to the same place again for dinner here pretty soon, aren't we? So we'll, we'll like tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's fine. <laughs> Well, so non-real estate related question, Absolutely. compared to Idaho, talk to me about the weather, you know, is it, is it really hot and sticky and welcome and to Missouri and Idaho? Like, well, what's the, what are the weather differences? Um, yes. So Idaho is what they call high desert. So there's no humidity. Um, so being from Minnesota and having very curly hair, I was very excited to move to Idaho and enjoy that for a while. But, uh, yeah, being back in Missouri and um, in the Midwest, I'm not unfamiliar with this, but yeah, it's a little more hair product, a little bit different outfits than I maybe would have normally done. <laughs> I was just thinking about that this morning. I was like, cause the summer has hit already. Cause I, I saw you were in St. Louis yesterday. And then this morning on the weather channel, they were just talking about how bad it's going to be in St. Louis later today. Even Kansas city is going to be horrible. And I was just thinking, Welcome back. You picked the perfect time to come back to the Midwest. And hey, it's I, I'm used to it. I'll say that. <laughs> you had your experience in West Palm, so it's fine. You know, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Not as swampy as that. All right. So um, we're so happy to have you here in Missouri. Talk to us a little bit about and this is just one of those things. And we actually just had this conversation when we were in D.C. Um, recently as the state A.E., a state CEO, 
what do you see the role of the state association is as it applies to our members who kind of understand local association gives them their MLS, gives them their forms, the national association we pay some dues to and they have some commercials on TV occasionally. I mean, that's what the average member thinks. What's the role of the state association and why should they care? Great question. Um, and this is something I was really excited to come to a state association, having been working in a local for the past seven years to sort of get into this a little bit different side of the industry, if you will. Um, I would say from the state perspective, there's really two big things we do for members day to day. Then I'll maybe speak about another um, another side of that. But really, our strength is in our our advocacy program, the legislative initiative that we do on that state level, um, and, and oftentimes interacting with the National Association of Realtors with some federal things that they're they're taking the lead on, but providing um, um, support for that or advice. Um, but then also helping our local associations that are working on those county level, municipality issue, you know, being that kind of conduit to make sure that what are those things that are kind of bubbling up potentially in different parts of the state that could then affect a state level issue. So really that advocacy, that legislative side, that is one of the core services that we do. The second though is gonna be legal and risk management. So for some of our um, smaller associations, we do provide forms and, and some of those things that they may need, um, but really it's that risk management, um, professional standards and just understanding um, you know, how, how to do the business professionally and ethically. And, you know, whether, you know, Kansas City, obviously you guys have some of those resources locally, but it's kind of the same deal as, as on the legislative side. When we see issues kind of popping up or new business practice coming in or just things that are happening across the state, we're able to then kind of pull those together and then my goal and what our goal is, is to provide that information back to all of our members, to all of our local associations, to all of our brokers, so that we're sort of seeing what's happening um, from a statewide perspective and then how that's really going to play day to day into your business. And um, so I think for us, those are kind of the two big things that that legal, that legislative um, is really the spaces that we play in. But I think the third, and as Bobby alluded to, something we've really talked about is for those members who are really passionate about the industry is this other leadership opportunity. So I'm, I'm kind of workshopping these three L's, if you will, <laughs> of sort of our core services. Um, but you know, this leadership opportunity that we have, and, and you know, and I'll guess take a step back as a former realtor myself, I know what it's like day to day when you're by yourself, when you don't have your coworkers and your, you know, just the office that you maybe you're gonna go to every day and, and kind of do that thing the association provides an amazing opportunity for not just referrals, but these professional connections that often lead to people getting really engaged in the association and, and taking on these leadership roles at local level, state level, and even the national level. Um, so I think that is another opportunity um, that we have to connect people to that, give them those leadership skills, help them develop that, and understand the issues in a different way that Yes, as selfishly, it's helpful for us because we need that feedback for members day to day. You guys are seeing what's happening in the market right now. Um, but also it just gives, gives members who take advantage of those leadership opportunities so much insight into the industry that they can then bring back and grow in their business. So, um, so, so the, that's kind of, I would say, the three areas that we really are focused on. I, I like those point. three L's. Are we going to yeah. see that at Strat Planning next week? Maybe. Uh, <laughs> maybe not quite next week. We'll keep working okay. on it. We'll see what comes up. But, but I think it's just to your point, it's, you know, there's some really high level things we do from a mission level, strategic level. But then when we're kind of really talking about the day-to-day, -day, how we deliver programs, um, we'll, we'll see if that comes back, but we'll, we're working on it. <laughs> I love your point about the importance of the realtor community in general and, and making sure that people have those opportunities for leadership that they might not necessarily have in their offices. Mm -hmm. um, I know that especially for me as somebody that was just getting started um, eight years ago, the 
the uh, association gave me an avenue to to really learn a lot. So your point is so important, and I think that that's a, a huge avenue for people who are newer to the business. And um, gosh, I hope that people continue to uh, show up for that kind of stuff. There's a YPN event this week that I'm really excited to go to because I haven't been able to go to YPN events in a long time. Of course, this is airing well after that YPN event, but it just kind of made me think about all of those YPN events that I went to eight years ago to help establish those relationships with people from outside of my company and uh, learn so much about the business so early on. So I, I think it's awesome that you uh, incorporate that into uh, one of your three L's. That's good. Alex, I have a question for you. And knowing it. the role that you're in right now, would you be in the role that you're in today had it not been for the leadership training and the leadership opportunities you received through KCRER and the Kansas Realtors Association? No, no, yeah. not at all. Um, especially, yeah, yeah, really from, from both of those organizations, it's true. I mean, there's no way that I would uh, be doing what I'm doing today without without those experiences. And just being able to come back to the office, like Brianna said, and and share information that you that you learn because people aren't paying attention to those things. They're too busy. They're, you know, we've got a lot of things to do in this business. We don't have time to get in the weeds about politics and everything else, you know. Mm -hmm. um, so being able to show up and, and have some insight that people can actually utilize to better their business. And we can focus on those things that they don't have to. We're, we're doing them a service and we enjoy it. Um, and so I, I love that. I think it's an important point. I feel the same way. I wouldn't still be probably in this industry and I sure, sure the heck wouldn't be in the roles that I've held or had and continue to have if it weren't for the leadership things that came through all three levels. So let's take back to your first L, legislative and advocacy. Um, you and I and a couple of other people, Andrea Sheridan, also a KCRER member, we were just out in DC last week meeting with our legislators and um, great meetings that we had with everybody. Like everybody showed up at some point in time. Talk to us a little bit about those priorities that we talked to and just how we were received by our legislators, the way that they, they view us when we show up on the Hill. Yeah, that was great. And thank you again for taking time to do that. Um, it was really, really interesting to be able to have these one-on-one -on -one conversations kind of as a follow-up to the legislative meetings that the National Association of Realtors held back in May. Um, and really have that one-on-one -on -one time with literally every single person. I think we were able to talk to or at least connect with their staff or be able to drop off some materials. Um, and what I found most interesting is we were oftentimes answering questions or, or getting follow-up information that they were really looking for to help with a variety of issues. And so certainly we had some key talking points around um, obviously housing affordability and inventory levels. I mean, that we just, we all know what's going on with that. Um, and, and, but, but I think, you know, for the legislators, they, they know of it, they hear the stories of it, but they didn't know how that's really affecting Missourians day to day. And, um, you know, Bobby and Andrea and, and you know, our other realtors that were there were able to tell specific situations of a time that it affected their business. And that's really powerful for elected officials to hear. Those are the stories that they want. So to be able to go sit in their office and tell them this happened in Kansas City, this happened in Columbia, this happened in union or, you know, whatever it was, we were able to share those stories with them, um, but also help provide some context around um, market data that was going on. Cause you know, all of them were asking about inflation and, and mortgage rates and all that. And we could really share real-time stories of how 
you know, a buyer wasn't able to qualify anymore, or, you know, somebody was looking to, you know, hold back a little bit, or a seller was trying to get in the market right now, wondering if things were shifting. And, and that's the stuff that they need to hear. And so that was really powerful to then pair those stories with the talking points that are provided for us from the National Association of Realtors based on policy they're working on, legislation that's being proposed in the process, and, and just asking them to really read that and consider it. Um, oftentimes, answering questions of their staff so that they can do some of that follow-up. And, and they were asking us for research and reports and follow-ups that um, um, the, the staff from NAR that was with us was able to follow up and give as well. So it's just so powerful. And the fact that we have the ability to go into those offices and talk directly with our elected officials about the, the issues that are important to realtors, but the people that we represent are buyers and sellers and, and property owners. It was really powerful. And it's, again, it's one of the, the biggest strengths of the organization um, nationally, statewide, and even locally. You know, and I think some of the points that came out that were even the most shocking to me, which, I, you know, the data and the research that NAR has is, is top notch. So if anybody's ever doing a project and you need some stats to write a blog post or whatever, reach out to us. We'll connect you to NAR data staff because they have some amazing stuff. But the, one of the very first stats in our first meeting that Jack brought out was that we have a nationwide housing shortage of five and a half million homes. That's a lot of homes. We're not just short a half million. We're not short a million. <coughs> Excuse me. We are short five and a half million homes. And that's led into some other conversations about, you know, here's how we're dealing with the inventory shortage. Here's some creative ways that people are going about creating new housing. One of our members, uh, our treasurer of the state association lives in Washington, Missouri. And he told the story several times about there, how there was an old shoe factory that they've just converted over to apartments. And now 150 families can live in this old converted um, shoe factory to actually have affordable housing. So I believe the cost is like 75% of like normal rent rates. And so that was the other conversation that we got into is um, if we're building new housing, are we building it at market rate? Or are we actually building affordable housing? And how do we go about doing that? And Andrea even said that she's working on a project, hopefully here in Kansas City, where it's converting an old hospital over into apartment living. But we've got to get more creative and figuring out where we put people because we all need a home essentially. So it's, it's Maslow's hierarchy is security and having a roof overhead. And, you know, those are great. Those are great, you know, illustrations to say specific projects in Missouri that we could talk about, um, especially with reuse and finding places that are already existing that are connected to infrastructure, transportation, all of those things that often make brand new construction really unaffordable. So it was a really great way to talk to them about, hey, as realtors, we have solutions. Not that we're working on projects. We know of projects that are going on and can share that with them. And, and again, just to really paint that picture when they see that piece of legislation or some proposal in front of them, what that actually means in, in a, a project uh, here in the state. So it was really, really cool. And the other ongoing thing, and Alex, we've talked about this before because you even talked to, to Senator Moran about it in Kansas, is VA loans. VA loans kept coming up in our conversation over and over again that our VA buyers just, A, can't compete with cash and all these equity firms just purchasing stuff up and turning it into rentals. And we talked about the entire issue that's going on with that. But really, even VA buyers can't really even, to a certain extent, compete with conventional loans. And sometimes they can't compete with conventional loans because of, in my opinion, what a realtor's mindset is in regards to a VA loan and how much more difficult a VA loan is in regard in difference to a conventional. And I think that's some talking that we need to do with our own members to get over that as well. 
I, I think that's an important point, and it's something that we're all experiencing right now when we have VA buyers out there. It's so it's so unjust to them to uh, have a benefit that they've earned uh, through serving our our country, and and to to not really be able to utilize it because of the market conditions. Not exactly sure what you do about that. I think Bobby's right. A lot of it's an education issue. Um, and then also, I think modifying the the process slightly so that that amendatory clause is is maybe a little bit different. I think that that can help as well. But it's it's a little bit tough. I I, I don't know. It's painful. So was did anybody propose any kind of a solution for the for the VA issue? Well, a lot of it was, I mean, talking through, making them aware of it. So when, you know, if there are rules, if there are process things in place that are coming directly from the federal government, they need to be aware of that. And so how that, again, is affecting people day to day when they're going to buy a property. Um, so I think they they were very receptive to that message, which I think was great. But um, yeah, there wasn't any like, here's how we're going to fix it today. But <laughs> it's just raising the awareness of some of these issues that, you know, all of the things that are on their plates. Um, I think we were, you know, talking to one of our, our now and Bobby, you'll have to remind me who it was, but um, you know, they were, we were asking them what's on your mind right now, because, you know, we, we are coming there with, these are real estate issues, but we also have to be mindful of what, what's their perspective, what's their priority right now. So that we're not coming and talking about one thing and they're like, that's great, but I've got this whole other thing and issues around supply chain and all of these things were coming up, but you know, it's not in the way that we think about it with construction materials and some of that. I mean, they were talking about food and, uh, you know, essential, you know, resources that people need. And so, um, but being really thoughtful around what was a priority for them and how, where appropriate, we could tie that back to, well, actually, yeah, that is affecting the real estate market as well, um, was really good. So it was, I think that was something that was really unique about what we were just able to do is to hear from them directly. And maybe it wasn't all solutions that day, but it was just being, being aware of what is everything that's going on uh, in their minds and, but still making sure they understood where real estate was, was kind of placed in there. So they didn't lose track of that. Yeah. It, it, some of the interesting conversations we had in regards to um, supply chain was uh, it was uh, Blaine Lukemeyer was even telling us that in regards to like collision repair for cars. Yes, that was it. Yeah, yeah. That's the, the thing that's really holding up cars being fixed up after wrecks right now is the lack of gray paint that is used as the primer before they repaint a car and they just can't get gray paint. And I'm like, it's, crazy. it's just some white plates and pack paint. I'm gonna mix it together. We're gonna mix some paint. But that's causing the supply chain issues in regards to Cars getting fixed up. I'm also it's not dying steel right anymore. Now. It's gray paint. Yes, yeah. Or even I think he mentioned too the the glue that holds the labels on cans yes. of food. And so like I forgot about that. The other issues where it was so it's all these little things that we don't think about. But again, it was just nice to hear from them of what else is on their mind. So we were we were mindful of what their priorities were when we were sharing Absolutely. our priorities with them as well. So. We're coming towards the end of our time together. We don't want to go over. We want to respect the time that we asked of you today. Um, but for those um, of our members who are on the Missouri side, what are some um, benefits that the Missouri Realtors gives out to everyone um, that maybe our members aren't aware of? Sure, absolutely. Well, and you might have this if you're in Kansas too. I'm not fully aware of everything that the state association provides there, although I know they do quite a bit. Uh, but a couple of things I just thought I would throw out there that are free benefits, things we hope you take advantage of, but we have got a tech helpline that anytime you need a question or have a question around anything technology doesn't necessarily have to be like real estate software related, but literally 
hardware, software questions, you can give uh, give that line a call. Um, and uh, the number is 866-610-8911. Look at, <laughs> Look at you. you already memorizing I, that. Wow. I haven't written wow. That. There we go. It can say I memorized it. How's that? Um, but, but another line that we have, and I do know the number for this, um, is our Missouri Realtors legal line. So kind of that one of those L's we were talking about, but you know, if there are legal questions that you have, we do have awesome, awesome attorneys that can kind of guide you through. They may not give you definitive legal advice, but they'll at least kind of point you in the right direction. Um, that number, 573-447-5278. But also they've got a great library on our landing. Um, so our kind of our member, our member only um, um, resource group there, you can kind of log into that. And there's tons of information about previous questions that were answered, some videos on there as well. So you might already have a question, pop over on that to see it's probably already been answered over on the landing somewhere, but always welcome to give a call. Um, and then, you know, one other thing too, that we're really doing and, and looking to expand is the market statistics that we provide. And granted, you know, you may kind of wonder like, well, why do I need to know what the median sales price is in Missouri? But, you know, I can just say from, you know, being a realtor myself, but I always loved using was sort of taking, you know, those kind of higher level stats or larger geographic stats so that I could put in context what was happening in my local market, right? Because you're hearing, you know, from NAR, you're hearing on the news of, you know, U.S. home prices are this. Well, that doesn't mean anything really to anybody. It's helpful to know, but, you know, pairing that with, and then in Missouri, we're seeing this, but then what we're really seeing in, in our market and, you know, hey, and these three comps that you have, like it just, so feel free to use the resources that we provide from the market statistics. It's really just kind of, you know, baseline setting, you know, for you as you're using that. So any questions you have around market research and things of that nature, please reach out to us. And um, just one last plug, I guess I'll give is we have a podcast too. Missouri Realtors has one. And I know our president, John Mayfield this year, it's one of his um, projects that he's really excited about. So I'd love you to kind of check that out as well. Um, if you're looking for one other thing to listen to other than, other than this podcast, um, but he's really focused on featuring members from around the state to share some business practices and tech tips. So I'll just throw that plug in there as well. So you'll find this hilarious. So the name of our podcast is Kansas City Real Talk. And whenever they were first starting that podcast, I was sitting in a committee meeting and they're like, we're so excited to announce our new podcast, Missouri Realtors Real Talk. And I was like, wait a second, you can't steal our name. And they're like, no, yep. we didn't. They had no idea that that was our it, name. And it was, right. only, I was like, wait, nope, we're going to have to help you rebrand because we can't, you can't that's steal our name. It, that's why you have committees and discuss things, right? You just <laughs> exactly. always get to double check. <laughs> but okay, I was like, Alex, guess what? They tried to steal us. So we'd already been around a couple of years at that point. So, all right. Last question. I ask all of our guests this, what else, what else should I have asked you about? What else should we be talking about? What else? What else? Well, I might throw that question back at you guys, actually. What else do we need to be asking you? Honestly, as a member, a member facing organization, a member service organization, um, you know, I want to hear from you. I want to, I want to know what you need um, so that we can provide those resources, maybe directly from the state or in collaboration with our local associations. Um, that's a real, it is just, that's, that's what we're here to do. So I would say um, maybe ask me what my email address is. I can give you that and you can reach out to me anytime. Um, so I'll give that to you right now. It's um, Brianna, B-R-E-A-N-N-A at morealtor.com. Um, and so that's, I guess, the thing you should have asked me. And uh, I'd love for you guys to please feel free to reach out. If there's anything that you can think of that we can be helpful um, to provide, love to hear it. And again, whether that's come straight from us or through your local association, we will, we will do that. 
I love that answer. That was absolutely perfect. Good job. All right. Well, thank you so much for taking time out of your day because I know you're busy traveling all over the state, getting to all the local associations, getting to know everyone. So thank you for creating time for us today. We really appreciate it. Thank you for the invitation. I, I appreciate it.